This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And we got an award for Palace, I believe. Have we? Oh, yeah, well, apparently. Well deserved too, yeah. Was... Best best pies? <laughs> best hand dryers? Best <laughs> hand dryers? Yeah. It's... I complained to Steve Parrish once that the hand dryers in the family stand were rubbish. And they were replaced within a week. I was impressed. I can assure you it won't be an, an award for the Arthur Waite stand. Cladding? We got the best cladding? Andros Townsend. Oh, yes. Gary Lineker doesn't agree. No. So the, we were discussing this a bit last week. Andros has, of course, been given the title for goal of the season, rightly, for what is a belter against Man City. We're not just talking the power of the strike. We're not just talking the distance. It's also the technique to catch a dropping football in that way. Do you think he was lucky or is this well, well deserved? Oh, absolutely. Well deserved. Uh, the thing about the uh, um, winning it on the TV the other night was just two pundits giving the award and uh, they were just all sort of thrown in and the emotions on for that week with what's happened with Man City. So company got it because of that. But um, if you look at the comments from everybody, it's clear that technique-wise, everyone admits and admires uh, what Andros did at uh, Man City on that day. I know the Premier League, it was voted for the Premier League goal of the season. Who who actually voted for it? Do we know? Who were the panels? Uh, you'd like to think that the fans get an involvement, wouldn't you? You would do. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's certainly well-deserved. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely well-deserved. Sorry, I've just been caught out by Mkhitaryan not going to Azerbaijan. Well, what what do you make of this? So, it's a complex scenario. For anyone listening who doesn't know what's going on, the Europa League final, which is, of course, going to be played between Arsenal and Chelsea, is being played in Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan. Now, because of a conflict surrounding a contested region between Azerbaijan and Armenia and various 
complicated geopolitical historical factors. The diplomatic relationship between Azerbaijan and Armenia is basically non-existent. With that in mind, even people of Armenian descent normally aren't allowed into Azerbaijan. Of course, Arsenal's winger Henrik Mkhitaryan isn't just of Armenian descent. He is Armenian, if rumours are to be believed. He's even done aid work in this contested area. There have been questions of whether he'd be allowed to travel. The Azerbaijanis have come out and said, yeah, of course you can come. There's no problem there. But there was then the question of whether Mkhitaryan would actually feel safe. Arsenal and Mkhitaryan have taken the decision for him not to travel. Is it right is it fair that UEFA can host the final of a competition in a country where not every player is allowed in oh of course it isn't and uh, didn't we have a little while back where part of Ukraine where we were going to have some football matches in in Ukraine and that was uh, going through some up upheaval and uh, problems with the Russian side of it so they moved the venue for that one. I, I yeah. can't remember the game, but, you know, what's the difference? If a player is unsafe and what will happen is, is I'm guess, um, coming from the background I do, is that Arsenal probably got in touch with the other insurers and said, look, actually, uh, you know, are we going to be insured to take this player over there? Does it get more expensive <laughs> if he might get shot at? <laughs> I mean, let's put it this way. If someone can get a milkshake thrown at them in the street in our society, then we have to be prepared for the worst in uh, when there's a dispute in the two two nations. So, yeah, I, I, it's probably the right thing to do, but it's the wrong thing for UEFA to host it there. And I personally feel that if they are that unsure about it and feel it's unsafe, they should have switched it. Yeah, you said the finals between Arsenal and Chelsea. Well, maybe they should have played it somewhere between Arsenal and Chelsea. Kind of like, I don't know, what ground's in the middle? QPR's not far up enough, is it? <laughs> I mean, they'll get the same amount of fans in that they've been allocated if they played it at QPR, wouldn't they? <laughs> Very true. They'd actually probably get more in. There's been a lot of argument about this from English fans saying, as you've said, Nick, listen, it's in England. Let's play it in England. But is that fair? Because it's not like going into this tournament that UEFA could have predicted it would be two London clubs. No. No, I mean, you know my feelings on having... Well, UEFA Cup, as it should be called, is different because you, you get more than one club from each country, but I still think the Champions League, having two, in, two teams from any the same nation in Champions League final just makes a mockery. Take it back to knockout. Take it back to knockout. You heard it here first. From a Palace perspective, if Palace were in a cup final of any kind and you weren't allowed to bring a certain player, well, let's go back to Townsend. Let's say you're in a cup final, you're not allowed to bring Andros Townsend. How would you feel as fans? Well, you're going to feel, firstly, you're going to feel frustrated uh, and you're going to be upset about it and you're going to feel at at an unfair disadvantage. Um. And it clearly isn't fair. Uh, This is a game of football and the players that have played in the competition from the start should be expected to play anywhere or in a final. And it's it's there is an alternative here. They they if it was Crystal Palace, I would be expecting the, the game to be played in a different at a different venue, not necessarily as Nick said, in, in England. I mean, I'm happy to travel if it's reasonable. I mean, Baku to, doesn't sound to be reasonable to me. It's it's, it's the back of beyond, isn't it? Yeah. Apparently it takes... Far, I, I, I don't know if you watched that TV programme, the competition where they had to get to uh, Singapore and I watched it and it took them five days to get to backpack. Oh, I thought you meant wish you were here with Judith Chalmers. <laughs> yeah. But um, what is it, three flights a week or something ridiculous? 
I mean, it's, it's no, barely... it's, it's it's two flights a day. I think if you want to go, but that isn't direct to Baku, right? And Baku's airport can't process all that many people in a day. So basically, if the ticket allocation were more reasonable, that wouldn't make a difference because the requisite number of Chelsea and Arsenal fans literally would not be allowed or able to fly into Azerbaijan in time for the final. No, I'd, I'm not so sure that they've taken up their alloc- full allocation. No, they haven't. So, so, Arsenal... so it's obvious that, that it can't get there. No, yeah. so this is the thing. On the Arsenal fan show last night, I had Charlie East, who's uh, a good friend of the station. He comes on the Arsenal fan show. He is going right the only way that he has managed to get there is he is on a chartered private flight direct to Baku these basically don't exist they're not open to everybody they're not being organized by the clubs if you go yourself you're looking at either flying to Tbilisi and then getting a nine-hour train or a no, a 15-hour train or a nine-hour drive. You can drive the whole thing, which will take you 59 hours. And we were running the numbers on this last night. And basically, the least money you can do it for, just in terms of your travel, is about £1,500. So, of course, people aren't taking the allocation up. Because even for Arsenal fans, where the season tickets are famously expensive, you're spending more on the cup final than you are on every other game in the league season. It's farcical. £1,500, you say? Yeah. Well, that's what people are being charged to fly to Madrid as well, isn't it? For the Well, the yeah, there are, there are all kinds of rumours about hotels, hiking prices and so on. But we know that happens. And actually, if you need to get to Madrid, there are ways of getting to Madrid, yeah. right? You've got quite a few options of how to get to Madrid. Baku, a little less straightforward. <laughs> but back to Andros. Sorry, I was di- a bit of no, no, digression no. there. Um, yeah, it was a top goal. And... Um, I don't think I've seen, I, I mean, not live. My my favourite goal live is uh, the one that Fulham guy scored against us. Kasami. Yeah, it was just, took there, my breath away. There's one guy who scored pretty much exactly the same goal with the same technique as Andros Townsend last this season, just gone. Was it the Bournemouth player? It was no. John no. McGinn. Yeah. And he used to play for Hibernian, and I believe he's now at Villa. Villa. If you YouTube it, any of your listeners want to YouTube it, because I'll tell you why I know this, because I was working in Sheffield with a guy that's a Hibernian fan. And when Andros scored, he says, ah, oh, not as good as John McGinn's. So everyone out there, you YouTube John McGinn's <laughs> goal, and you will see pretty much the same technique and goal as Andros did. But he's not in, obviously, the Premier League, so uh, they had no chance of uh, winning the competition. Yeah. Is this kind of goal, is the screamer something that Palace have a particularly illustrious history of doing? We know John McGinn certainly does, but Darren Anderton used to, Darren Darren Ambrose, Ambrose, I should say, used to do it. Were there other players who you got used to smacking it in from 40 yards? Go on. I'm trying to think here, going back a few years, and we took some powerful hitters of the ball, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can think of dead ball players. Neil Redfern used to hit a mean free kick. Um, he went off to Barnsley after us. Um, I mean, Andy Gray, Andy Gray, maybe, hard, but didn't he? I don't know if he was that <laughs> Rose yeah. type from half the time. No. Maybe. I mean, I was going to ask uh, John Salako when he comes on about his scoring from the halfway line. So we'll leave that till then. When uh, we played Forest in the FA Cup, it was about yes, the third replay. Yeah. You were there. It was up up at. Uh, the city ground, wasn't it? Did you go up? I went up a couple of times because we got um, called off because of fog. Yeah. And I went up. And obviously one was a replay. Yeah. So I think I did the th- I did the three trips. 
Blimey. That was hard, and most of them were in the evening as well. I think the worst ever called off game was when Charlton went up to Newcastle and it was called off half hour before the game mm. started because of snow. Ridiculous, all that way. But it Ma- was Charlton. Imagine if that happens in Baku. You've got there. <laughs> ah. You just got off your 93rd train. Sorry, lads, no game of football to watch. And talking of disappointments, there are players in the Palace squad who've missed out on quite a lot of football in the past few years. One, of course, is Connor Wickham. Despite barely being involved, despite being injured, despite almost never scoring a goal, he's got a contract extension. What's that about? This is Love Sport. Connor Wickham is a player who began his professional career with a big, big reputation. Highly rated as a teenager at Ipswich Town, it was expected that there would be big things to come for him and that he would certainly score goals at the Premier League level. It was quite an exciting signing when Palace got him. He hadn't done it at Sunderland, but he was still young. There was still that expectation there. Fast forward a few years, how do you guys rate him as a forward, as a player for your club? Well, whenever I've seen him play, and, and I, I know you know he has been in and out of the team and most recently out of it for, for the best part of two years, but generally speaking, when I've seen him play uh, and he's, he's back to his full fitness, um, he is a, he's, I think he's a very good player. Um, his all-rounds play, he holds the ball up, lays it off very well, and in front of goal, he, he's lethal. Um, he has done quite well I mean I'm looking at the stats here I mean he was England under 21s he scored six goals in 17 appearances uh, he had a good loan spell at Sheffield Wednesday before he came to us he scored eight goals in 11 appearances so it's it's a little bit all over the place there are uh, but I think if you are Sunderland fans um, you know or the fans of other teams that have seen him play where he maybe hasn't scored as much they, they maybe will look at him as a player that's good for link-up play. I mean, you know, as a Crystal Palace fan for many years now, Mark Bright was one of those players. You know, we needed yeah. a type of player like Mark Bright to to link up with the likes of Ian Wright and doesn't necessarily score 20 goals every season. But yeah. his, because of the what he does, it allows the other players or the other striker with him to score the goals. Well, I know that Sunderland and Middlesbrough were potentially interested in him which is why they might be signed up. I understand people's frustration at signing a croc or, re, you know, extending the, the contract of a, what you could call a croc. I mean, we used to call him Operation Wickham on here. Um, but I think um, Terence, who does our preview, po- preview podcasts, uh, mentioned earlier on our WhatsApp chat that it might be a duty of care thing. He's been through such a rough time with his injury it's kind of why we kept uh, Papasuaro on just to help him get through show a bit of a human side to the team and and actually I don't imagine he's going to be on the same wages no although you know where you'd, where you'd glean that information from I don't know but we did the same with Ryan Innes who had a horrific injury but we kept him on the books just to nurture him through because to cast him out after all that injury it makes it sound like a charity but I think there's something in that. It does happen a lot in football, though, where clubs do say, I'm sorry, but off you go. Do you think there's room for sentimentality in that way? I'm not so sure. I think that he has had quite a few games. He's been on the bench for quite a while now. Yeah. And I think, and I believe that he was back 
for that he was back for that Tottenham game and he scored. And then he's sort of in and out for a few weeks. But I believe he's been fit for quite a few weeks, if not a few months now. And they must have seen quite a bit of him on the training ground. Now, the way we've been playing recently uh, with, obviously, Batswide scoring, um, he's he wasn't going to get in the team. But he did. He has been coming on. Well, he did come on the last game. But I think they've seen enough of him to think, you know what, we've got a player here that actually we could find a position for him next season and maybe use him a bit more. And he's proved to them that over the last couple of months or few months that he's he's not going to get injured again, hopefully. So they've then thought, well, you know, if he does hit it off really quickly next season, he's likely to run, he could run down his contract. So that's a worry. So maybe it's a cheap, deal and cheap contract they can they can give him now and it's a otherwise they're just not going to get their money back even if Wickham does stay fit does he offer anything that Ben Teke doesn't he's got a better game goals to game ratio um well, no, he's, for he's, Palace for Palace yeah um he's one of those players when he's good he's very very good but when he isn't he's poor I would say he's 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 a bit similar to a Glenn Murray type player so all round, he's got ability and he will be more potent in front of goal. Probably not as powerful as Benteke in the penalty box, mm. you know, when the crosses are coming yeah. in and getting the height that Benteke gets. But um, definitely I'd I'd put him up there with a, type, a Glenn Murray type of player, actually. Because the reason why I ask that is that old cliche in footballing terms is gives you something different, offers something different, which basically is he's a lump. You've got one of those in Benteke. Connor's a big boy. Do you need another one? Well, maybe we are looking to get rid of Benteke, so you never know. Who knows knows what's going on with the striker thing? And the problem is this, you know, a week after the season's ended, it's just conjecture and rumour and, you know, we, we can't really put our finger on anything at the moment, can we? But I think the point about this potentially affecting Benteke's future or being tied in with that is a very interesting one. You've got quite a lot of average strikers, okay? Sorloth, Ayu, Wickham, Benteke, fine. But they all fit into that box of broadly mediocre. If the club were getting Michi Batshuayi in, is there really any reason to hold on to another five, six out of ten centre-forward? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Possibly. um, Perhaps they're not that confident of getting Mitchery Batshuayi in. Um, I know that... um, we we we're letting uh, other players go, which we'll deal with later on in the program. Um, I don't know because we don't want to end up in a position with no strikers again. 
Which we, ha- is... we haven't signed Jordan Ayew, have we? I don't know because there was a fake Palace tweet uh, from uh, from a fake Crystal Palace account yeah. that said he'd um, signed a deal. However, when I was doing, re- I, I did research this week, folks. Can you believe it? Because um, we didn't have a game to talk about. It took ages to find things to talk about. Um, we haven't even gotten to the cats yet. Um, the, um, he signed till 2023, uh, according to a uh, transfer rumour website. So the situation, as I understand it, is that Ayu is still a Swansea player. He was on loan at Palace for the season. Palace are interested in getting him on a permanent basis, but Southampton are circling as well. Are you surprised to see other Premier League clubs interested off the back of that year? I, I am a bit surprised. I, I don't really think IU has done enough to really warrant that much interest. Uh, I, I, I could, I wouldn't be disappointed at all if if we didn't sign him for next season. And mm-hmm. I think no. that if Connor Wickham has been showing that he's you know fit again and he's been playing well in in. in in the training ground, uh, he's coming on and getting his touch back again. Then I think you'll you'll probably look at Connor Wickham as being maybe. I mean, we what do we do? We normally have about four strikers, don't we, in a squad? Yeah. So you'd look at Connor Wickham being that maybe that fourth striker, uh, and then we have to look at you know. So I think it's easy. It's it's much harder these days to go out there and buy a player. Because a are they are available and how much they cost? It's just costing a fortune every season. It yeah. just seems to double in price. So I think it's a lot easier to retain a player, and I don't think we've really got anything to lose to take a, for want of a better word, a punt on him. You know, retaining his fitness and being injury prone for another season. Even having retra- retained him, though, Palace need to sign another striker, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, I mean, well. We're we're <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you know, we've we've lost Ayu. Uh, bet we still got Benteke. Uh, Zaha hopefully staying with us. I prefer him not a striker, but, but he's not necessarily a striker. So actively, we need to we need to uh, to get out there and 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 look for some more strikers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that and left back. But again, I'm sure we'll 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 come to player positions. Later on in the show, quick question for you. you. James has mentioned that player prices are going up. With Chelsea out of that window, not necessarily, but carry but on. Possibly not being able to make transfers. Does that alter the transfer market in any way? In the fact that one of the big money spenders is out of it, I'll let you mull that over for a bit. My instinct is no, but it's an interesting question. I'm pretty sure the answer is no, but if anyone listening disagrees with us, get in touch. Tell us why 0208 70 20 558. Talking of transfers, talking and mulling things over, we have, of course, got a dedicated transfer show coming up from nine. It is the rumour mill with me and Matt Beadle running you through all of those potential deals and whether Chelsea will be able to buy anyone at all. And talking of transfers, there's a couple more players who could be heading for the Palace exit. Who are they and why? This is Love Sport. 
You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. We've mentioned that Connor Wickham will be staying with the club, but there could be a few heading for the exit door. And one is another man who knows a thing or two about injury. Papa Soiree, we're hearing that he could be heading back to France. Yeah, I read, I read a report earlier today that he's been seen training with Marseille. He's not the player he was before his car crash, is he, James, do you think? In no. Relatively he, few appearances he's made, he hasn't impressed. No, he did try and come back into the team and then got injured quite quickly. Uh, his shoulder, wasn't it, that one? Yeah. Shoulder. Um, and I, I guess it's, it's his contract's naturally expiring, isn't it? Now? Yeah. So... It is a bit different situation to the Connor Wickham where, you know, he's still got another year on. So um, I'm not surprised that they've allowed him to go. And maybe he just feels he needs a break, another fresh challenge. You know, we have to think when the difference being when a contract naturally ends is it's not always the club that makes a decision. Yeah, I think we have to understand that everybody realises that. Because I see a lot of tweets and people posting saying, why have Palace let him go? Why do... Do you know what? You have to understand at the end of the contract, sometimes a player actually wants to play football and yeah. he needs to move elsewhere. And I believe you told me last week that Julian Speroni is looking to play elsewhere. So I had some yeah. tweets. People were saying, oh, why have we let him go? And well, you know, sometimes the player wants to go, so you've got to let him go. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, so good luck to him. Three and a half million he cost us. How long, how long has he been with us? Four, five Four years? Four years. He signed in 2015. So, yeah, Um so we've got Suarez out. Yeah. Speroni's out now. Yeah. Um and we 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 Bakary Sacco only signed to the end of the season. Yes. I, I think he was just like a very sort of last minute emergency sort of backup. May as well. We knows knew the he, club. Yeah, he knew what Roy knew what he did the previous season and I kind of felt that he was hardly going to be involved but just in case we had a run of bad injuries he he was there just in case. He was used more often than I thought he would be. And I do love, I'll always remember him for when he did play up front for a few games. Um, towards yeah. the back end of two seasons ago. And he scared defences, didn't he? Yeah, I saw him away at Bristol City in the Cup. And they started with him. And the fir- we lost in that one was that, badly. Yeah. But the first half, we were on top. And he ap- was absolutely brilliant. Uh, for that first half. So he's got it in him. Very good player. Uh, a cracking shot on him. Talking about players with a hard hitting. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of those, isn't he? He absolutely a lot cracks, of power. cracks the ball. But, uh, you know, it, yeah. Um, it's. I'd like to think that um, we're looking at maybe players at a bit more of an upgrade on him. And that's why we've we've not renewed his contract. Or letting him go to allow the youth to come through. But then you've All got that, the... Yeah, you've got the the age thing in the 25-man squad anyway, so it wouldn't make that much difference, would it, if we're talking about youth coming through? Talking of Papa Soiree, where do you stand on him as Palace fans? Because he was widely considered to be doing pretty well before that injury. Is he a case of what if? Yeah, a little bit, I think. But then we've we've covered the position quite well there at left-back. PVA came in and he kind of filled the gap that that Soiree left, and it was fortunate we had him. He was with us, wasn't he, PVA, when Soiree had to crash? Yeah, I think Soiree was a much more reliable defender. Uh, yeah. He, he, you knew what you got from him, and he was consistently very good and, and quick. Uh, he he was... 
he was an all-round player. He used to get up and down quickly, but he'd also defend very, very well. Um, whereas maybe I'd say PVA is probably better than Suarez at going forward, but yeah. certainly not defensively. I um, think every player's better than PVA defensively, to be honest. <laughs> the way the way he's been the last few weeks. Has he been linked with somebody as well? PVA? I haven't heard recently, but uh, being an international player, I'm sure that uh, somebody will uh, be interested in him. I'm pretty sure I heard Man United might be after him, but uh, maybe I dreamt that. Well, that's oh. not impossible as links go, because United are basically being firstly linked with anyone who's ever kicked to football, and particularly in the wide fullback position. So it could, could happen as a rumour, as a transfer, you'd be surprised. I I no I know I did see that actually uh, Nick it was um they were looking at Aaron Wambazaka and Suarez as a double swoop but uh, I think it was more Suarez PVA a PVA, PVA sorry yeah, yeah. yeah sorry PVA yeah um yeah um but... that that ain't ever going to happen is it selling your fullbacks <laughs> all of them not yeah not <laughs> not selling them both I think selling one would be quite enough in terms of players you would be happy to see go is there anyone else you'd be ushering out of the door. Well, if you know, I, I, I'm not a great fan of Benteke. I've said that before, um, but I completely understand the club's position that if we don't get any money for him at all, uh, and I know you said this last week, Nick, that you know he still offers something, and I, I, I think, yeah, okay, he's, he offers something, but maybe from the bench. Um, so if we don't get any money or we're not offered any any reasonable offers then then maybe but i would be happy to sell him and replace yeah. him yeah and gyro is he what's what's happening with him is he gonna is he gonna burst through into the team is he just there to make up the numbers to help the under 23s does he fit in with any of roy's plans and i mean is the remnant of um did did uh, did he buy him De Boer. Frank, Frank De Boer got him. De, De, yeah. De Boer bought him. So yeah. yeah. So he's he's a he's a type, he's a Dutch type player. Um, I'm not sure he fits in with Roy's total football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I I think that. Uh, but then again, he's probably on high wages and and he's still contracted to the club. You can't. You know, it's all very well saying I want to let these players go, but if if you don't get the money for them, you can't. You know, they'll they'll. Um, I mean, you know, who's that? Who's that famous player in Madrid at the moment? Gareth Bale that plans to play golf for the rest of his contract. Well, <laughs> it, it, important to note that those comments we we don't know if Bale said that, right? He supposedly said it to his teammates, okay. whether or not he I actually did. Yeah, yeah, no, it, but whether or not he did, I'm not quite sure. In terms of players who have already gone, are there any you're really going to miss? Baroni, is that the right decision? Yeah, it is the right decision, and it's just. Sort of romanticism, really, to think of the fact that he's been there for a long time, and in a in an age where players rarely play for a team for a long time, it, it was just refreshing to see that. And Mr. Crystal Palace, I know it sounds like a cliche, but you know, but as I think Roy said he needs to trim the fat from a bloated squad. He does, and there are areas of it that really need trimming down. There are areas where he'll be praying to hold on to not the fat, but the muscle, the core of the team. One of those players, when you talk about Mr Crystal Palace, Baroni comes first, but Wilfred Zahar comes second. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport.
You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, and you're listening to me asking my favourite question of all time. <laughs> Will Wilfred Zahart be at Crystal Palace next season? I hope so. Yeah, why not? I've just seen pictures of him on holiday. so Riding a horse. Uh, uh, yeah, you saw that one as well, riding. Did you? Yeah. Never done that before. Um, he's played with some donkeys in the past, but he's Wait. never been on a horse. Um <laughs> Right, latest news, Spurs have pulled out of any interest. So as far as I'm aware, the only English teams are Man United and Arsenal. And there was something about Arsenal offering a cash plus three players um, deal. I don't know who the players were. Did you see any names? Well, the rumours are the likes of Chambers... Jenkinson, you could see. I I haven't heard this. I'm speculating. You could see El Nenny being one who got offered. I think he might be leaving yeah. the club in the summer. They're not going to be the big stars. They're not going to go. Well, all right, Abamyang, Lacazette, and Kalasinak. It just won't happen. Did they not put a valuation of Zaha of about forty million? Well, so they. I think the figure that they're talking about is 40 million in addition to those players, which still, as you say, isn't massively generous because that would, assuming they're offering to meet Palace's valuation of around the 100 million pound mark, they're valuing Carl Jenkinson at about (laughs) 20, which is madness. Yeah, it's it's, it's too much. I mean, I think the the valuation for probably from the Palace end would be 80 million, to be fair. Um, I, I just can't see anyone coming in and paying that much money for him he's worth far too much to us and the owners of of palace won't let him go for yeah that much and the problem with the media is that we're hearing that he really wants to go he really really wants to go but i I just can't see that no i mean normally when a player really sort of wants to go they're, they're they're normally getting not getting into the team and they're sulking and they're they're on the bench every week and or they've got had a bust up with the manager is that necessarily true i mean hazard's the key man at chelsea he's desperate to go to real madrid yeah but wasn't he desperate to go the season before and the season before last very good point and it never Mm. happened so who do we believe you know unless you actually sit down with the player and you speak to him it's all speculation and i i I think that it's two things here. It's got to be right for the club as well as the player. And, and, and they've all signed contracts. Um, and fortunately, the likes of Eden Hazard and Wilfred Zaha are not those players that will just sit in the corner and sulk and go on strike. I think they are... They want to play. They're, they mature, play they're, they're mature enough to think, Do you know what, I'm paid a handsome wage here. I want to play every week. I'm loved by the fans. I'm not going to disappoint them. And they just crack on and get on with the job. What and remain a big sm- big fish in a small pond, almost for in the, in the, not obviously with Hazard Chelsea going downhill anyway, so their their pond's getting smaller. But yeah, being being the club superstar rather than just being another face at a club, where as um, Dean Gordon was on last week, wasn't he? he saying was. how it, it it's good to be settled, and sometimes you don't want to upset that because it might upset your game. Um, I think the whole Man United experience will leave Wilf to be a lot more cautious about going to another team, whether he'd fit in, his family being around, his his kid. Um, I don't know. 
But I haven't heard any more from overseas interest. No, that Dortmund link seems to be going a bit quiet, doesn't it? When we're talking about this valuation of 80 million quid, 100 million quid, depending on who you believe, do you think Palace really think Zaha's worth that? Or is this a tactic to scare teams off? Because that's what's happened with Spurs. Spurs have looked at 80 million and gone, too rich for my blood. It's a hands-off figure, isn't it? If you want you him, you're gonna have going to blooming well pay a lot of money for him because he's he's ours. We want him to stay with us to prize him away. You've got to come up with something special. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Palace, he's he's worth yeah seventy eighty million. For another team, he's you know he's worth fifty million. So it, it, it's the the two prices they've got to they've got to sort of meet meet halfway really. But I, I can't see it happening at the, at this stage. No. And the other Palace star who is potentially being linked with the exit is, of course, our average wing-back, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, apparently on United's radar, potentially on Spurs' radar as well. The fee that's getting talked about is roughly 50 million quid. Is that a fair price? Yeah, funny enough, I didn't know that, you two told me, but I was thinking it might be worth valued at about 50 million. I mean, it sounds a hell of a lot of money. Young uh, kid, going to be an England international. Yeah. Well, he didn't get into the last... I yeah. can't believe he didn't get into the no, English No, they squad. want him for the under-21s. <laughs> well, maybe, but... Uh, and, and get the experience there. Um, with add-ons, yes, I think it's fair because it's the... So you want 50 million plus next? I, because I think of his potential. I mean, who knows? Who so knows? hang on, do you think he's right now, his current ability is 50 million quid? Sorts out his passing game a bit, then yes. That that's where he lacks the most, I think, is passing. And looking well, at his stats earlier, that's maybe that's where he lets him. He hasn't had any shots on target either, but I'm not worried about that being a defender. Um, Defensive wise, he's the top in Europe, isn't he? So. Something like that. Although I did see the Watford chap has actually made more interceptions in him now. But the, whether the midfielder that, was, that was that was because Kapoor. yeah, might have been. But whether that included cup final matches, <laughs> um, which was nice actually. Troy Deeney, imagine. Being so lucky that you can have seven kickoffs in one game. That's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? First player to take seven kickoffs in an FA Cup final. Next up on records you don't want to hold with Troy Deeney. <laughs> in just a moment, we'll be moving on to a man who's had more success on the big stage. We'll be talking to Crystal Palace legend John Solarco. Don't go. This is Love Sport. Go anywhere. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. We're discussing the potential, I'm only saying potential, calm down, but the potential exits of Wilfred Zahar and Aaron Wambasaka. And when we're talking about lads like them who are local boys, have come up through the system at the club, how much of a factor does that play in you wanting them to stay? Yeah, I mean the, the chant one of our own is is uh, prevalent throughout football, and we and we do what we do miss that sort of localness, localness making up words. Do you remember just before we came up, it was always South London and proud on the yeah. billboards, and it had Scannell and it had Klein and all the players we had that grew up in and around the uh, Fulton Heath environs. Um, so, yeah, we do miss that as a, a football club. Interestingly, some people are saying with the Americans, uh, Harrison Blitz are losing interest and wanting out. What does that mean in respect of the stand? And actually, 
if we can get 80, 90 million for, for Wilf, let's use that money to build the stand and then wait a few years because our attendance will, will increase, which means we're getting more money in and then we'll be able to invest further in the future. So actually use it as an, an investment for the infrastructure rather than the club for the team. Is there a big gamble there? I think that's a really interesting suggestion, but is there a massive gamble there in that if you lose these two, you could actually be in a relegation dogfight? And then if you go down, your finances change to such a drastic extent that actually you're not going to be able to do that with the infrastructure. Well, that that was why another reason, I think, why the 100 million was mooted is that's what we'd potentially lose by getting relegated. So if we think that we we wouldn't survive without Wilf, that would be an insurance, although I've just spent it all on a new stand. But. <laughs> I'm not sure what you'd get for 100 million these days. You get one stand or...? Yeah, yeah, we, that's what the, that's... the cost of that stand was. So, but we, we've got, I mean, we've got two stands that need to be redeveloped, haven't we? One of them being the Sainsbury's, I take it. No, the, no, the no. Arthur Waite and the main, the main stand is the one that's being planned. Yeah. Next, next. But the Arthur Waite needs to be completely pulled down and, and redeveloped as well. So we're, we're possibly looking at maybe 150 million. We're not going to have the same stand opposite the, the old stand. Yeah. Which is going to be the new stand. You get my drift. Yeah. <laughs> is there a modern day Archibald Leach? <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted to say that we're now joined on the line by Palace legend John Salako. John, thank you for saving me from them and thank you for joining <laughs> Thanks, us. Thanks, Johnny. We've been looking back on Palace's season. How have you rated it as a campaign as a whole? Oh, look, um, every year that we are in the Premier League is just magical. It's, it's so fabulous and fantastic because, look, for years um, when I was there, we went up and down and all we wanted to do is be in the Premier League and be a Premier League team. And, and, and you know, like I take my kids around now and I do a bit of coaching and I look around the area and where it's used to be Man United and Liverpool shirts and, you know, and now you've got kids wearing Palace shirts with pride, yeah. with confidence, going to primary schools. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so special and it's hard to really, to, to, to get people to understand that. And I keep saying this, that, just being in the Premier League is so special for a club like Palace because especially as it's all just evolved and changed and, and moved on so much that, um, you know, the, the big teams, it, and you look at the big teams that, you know, you look at Villa and Derby, um, John Terry and Frank Lampard struggling in the in the, in the um, championship and, you know, just to be in the, in the Premiership is, is a, a real absolute, you know, just the, the, the glory. So, totally agree with you there, John. Hello, Nick here. Um, Hi. Yeah, because um, Huddersfield fans have said the same sort of thing, haven't they? It's put their town on the map. And I drive around Croydon all day. Um, and Because <laughs> Mrs. won't let me home. No, that's <laughs> um, And you do notice a lot more Palace fans around than, than you did maybe maybe 10 or so years ago. What we need to do is get some, some more club shops around, though, because I think one of our biggest problems was we only had the club shop to get the kit in. I know that being with Puma... You now, can't buy a Palace shirt. I don't know where to buy a Palace shirt. I think you can only buy them for the ground, can't you? And oh. Carnaby Street Puma store, I've seen them. That's about it. Oh, is it? You can get, you can get like, Palace replica shirts from, from John Flarko online. Yeah. <laughs> nice little plug there. Can you get other players as well, John, or is it an exclusive yeah. Solarco deal? 
<laughs> I actually had it. I actually had someone link in with me and said, "Oh, did you have a Man United shirt from the 1990 Cup final?" And um, I remember it was the it was the most vivid memory of um, after that that playoff. I don't know if you remember the the, the replay. And on the Thursday, and and Richard Shaw and I went in the, in the Man United dressing room with Steve Bruce and McClare and Robson and all the all the big boys, and uh, we 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 wanted to swap shirts, and they just seriously they just laughed us out of there, and uh, it was really quite a, a, not a great moment. But yeah, Don't... I said no, I didn't manage to get a shirt because they wouldn't swap shirts; they just laughed us out of the dressing room. To be fair, but those yellow know, that... was that the Johnny? Hi, Johnny's James here. Was that the uh, yellow and I... black striped shirt? Yeah, I could wear for fortune now because that's yeah, a one-off, that's wasn't it? That shirt. I've still got that. Yeah, the bumblebee shirt. Yeah, that, that crazy, killed us. Yeah, crazy yeah, one, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think that that lost us the game the, rather than the performance. My yeah, <laughs> I remember Ron Nodes. You know, Ron Nodes got offered some money by Buckter at the time, and uh, oh, it was awful. It was awful because the strip I loved and the strip that I always it was, it was like a Brazilian kit. It was like a yellow. Shirt with Johnny, shorts. I said that last I, week. That was my favourite away strip. Yeah, I absolutely. It was brilliant, I mean, wasn't it? The sash, the sash was us. Yeah, but the white sash was us. But the away kit, that blue, um, with the with the gold, it was almost sort of Brazilian. But it was, I just loved that kit. I I loved putting that on. And did we did uh, was that um, the kit we wore when we were uh, when we ended up th- uh, third in the league? Or yes, yes, was. yes. So, so we won that that year, yeah. Because my brother and I, we went to a lot of away games that season, um, and I remember that kit and watching you. In fact, in fact, Jeremy Howard sends his regards. You know, Jeremy, Jeremy Howard. Yes, he's my brother. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, he's Jeremy. <laughs> he's in Portugal <laughs> at the moment, so uh, yeah, I'll let him know. You've, you've, he's that. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I keep, I keep t- sending him an email saying we must do something. He's, he's great, lad. He's, We've been to Balls Brothers and and uh, a few events. Yeah, He's yeah. A great lad. He's yeah, uh, yeah, a great yeah. host. Good stuff. Yeah. John, all this talk of Palace shirts and replica shirts in particular, the name that lots of those kids wearing the Palace shirts are going to want on the back of it is Wilfred Zahar. Do you think yeah. he's still going to be at the club next season? Well, do you know what? It's a funny one because I was trying to. Obviously, I you know he went off to Man United, and I I, I you know I've, I've, I've openly said I don't think he was ready. Um, I think his brothers, you know, Wilf, Wilf is a real fragile character for me. You know, he's a real sensitive boy and, um, you know, he came into it and I think he went up to Man United and, and it was a massive experience and he just didn't know what to make of it. He came back home um, as, as absolutely flown and he's matured, he, you know, he's a baby and, you know, I think he got married and he's really settled and, um you know, the boy's just got incredible talent and just incredible physicality. I'm just blown away when I work with him. And, you know, it, he, he the world's his oyster. And I think for him now, if he does want to go and play in Champions League and go and see how far he can fly, then I totally, totally respect that. I love that. And I think he, he's ready and he would go and be brilliant. If he wants to stay at Palace for another year, um, I would... I would you know, all, all Palace fans would love that. But the boys, the boys are an incredible talent. And you know, for me, as hard as it is for me to say this, I think go and go and go and spread your wings, fly, and go and see how how you go and touch the stars. And if it doesn't work out, then come back and we will welcome <laughs> him back with open arms. 
Fantastic stuff, John. When you're talking about players being ready for that big move, would you say the same about Aaron Wambasaka? Is it time for him to move? Oh on? no, 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 no. That's a totally different kettle of fish. Um, Aaron, as you, you know, when he was sort of seventeen, eighteen, and he was coming through, and we we nearly let him go. We we you know he he was a he, you know he was a disgruntled teenager, and you know he didn't go to college, and you know we had to find him all the time, and I had to go and talk to him, and part of say go and talk to him. Um, and he didn't know where he was going um, and what he was about. And I think he was finding himself. And, you know, he just had to get that discipline and that focus. And do you know what? Shawzy and David Redders, um, Reddington, you know, sort of went, OK, as a winger, it wasn't quite working. Just get him to right back. And they put him to right back and he's flown. The boy, because he, he had the physicality, he had the speed. And, you know, again, he's a quiet lad. And... I remember, you know, Nathaniel Klein, you know, he played 120 games and he learned his job and he had a good family unit and he was sensible and he went down to Southampton and he, he was ready and he went to Liverpool and he was ready and he played for England. And that's what I'd say to Wan-Bissaka. Now, you know, people ring me all the time. Oh, Wan-Bissaka, we want him and people want to take him to Juventus and Man United. And I'm like, no, once, Aaron, learn your job, earn your stripes. Get get yourself ready, prepare, get your armour. Because he's too young. Like we just talked about Wilfred going to Man United too early. It doesn't work. Victor Moses, we've got so many countless Routledge. Oh, God. The, the list is endless of these young lads mm. in London. They're immature. They, they need to grow and learn and play football and then go. And then they're ready. And they've got an armoury. They're ready to go. And one, uh, Aaron's the one that needs to just play at least another season or two more seasons before he goes anywhere because otherwise he'll just get chewed up and spat out. I've been in that dressing room and the, the fierceness of, of that top level is, is crazy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, John. I think he's got at least another season or two to stay with us. Um, just out of interest, um, do, do you, first of all, first question is, do you think that we are pretty much a safe premiership side now going forward uh and also uh, yeah i know and also do you think uh what what players We're Palace, by the way yeah yeah exactly yeah. what what um what positions do you think uh what uh, players do you think we should maybe uh replace or how should we improve the squad for next season it's so difficult um you can't you know you can't take anything for granted just staying in the premier league is fantastic but what i understand is that you know, we may be changing hands, a new team, um, a new new owners might come in. The training ground needs to be done. You know, goals moving down to there. The stadium needs redeveloping. Just as a as a as a business, you know, we we are miles behind. Um, you know, just in the, in in the infrastructure, the commercial, the marketing, the money that the club can generate on a day to day, you know, on a match day basis. So, look, the biggest thing for me. Palace is in the best catchment area um, and we've lost so much of that. Everyone is in that area. Uh, and when I was under 13 coach, look, you know, whenever I played against team, all the best players on the opposition teams were from our area. We've lost that. We need to get that back. We need to grow homegrown talent. We can't go out and spend 50, 60 grand. Even if you sell Wilford for 70 million, what are we going to buy for that? How many players can we buy for that? What we need to be doing is, 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 nurturing talent from within South London, which is the richest catchment area in the world. Oh, well, apart from Brazil, probably. In <laughs> yeah. 
or IX or whatever you get players from. But we need to learn those models. So what what you know, I think Palace just need to look at the infrastructure, get coaches in and and really nurture the talent that is on their doorstep to be able to compete because it's just gonna get it's gonna get bigger and harder to stay in the Premier League. So I think for me, oh God, we need we need a couple of strikers, which I know we're looking at. Um, you know, I don't know. You're always, you've always got to improve, and you've got to move on. You've got to spend money, and you've got to 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 move forward every year. And if you don't, if you stand still in the Premier League, you're done. You you know, and Palace cannot rest on their laurels. We're one of those teams who could easily look at Brighton. How they came close. They've sacked Chris. They've brought in Potter. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they do next year but you know we've got Roy in Roy we trust so look as long as we're in in the in the Premier League then we're happy wonderful stuff and that message John about bringing the youngsters through from South London is a wonderful one it's been wonderful speaking to you as well thank you ever so much for your time John Solarco there Palace legend South London it's better than Rio this you are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And we open the show talking contracts, contract extensions and an extension for Mr. Connor Wickham. His new deal runs until 2021, but most players in the squad's deals also expire that summer. What are we dealing with? Is it, is it going to be a mass exodus or a mass extension? Before I answer that question, I've just got to tell the listeners about your inner partridge there, air drumming to the FA Cup (laughs) fucking squad version. Oh, yeah, I've got no shame. No shame. Um, I was thinking about this when we were talking about Wilf and AWB going, I don't want to see too many wholesale changes, bearing in mind that I think Roy is only going to be with us for a year, so now is not the time to be remodelling the club or remodelling the squad. Um, I think he should pretty much keep going as he is because we, we finished our best ever position in the league. All right, we want to we wanna kick on from there, but we're aware that anything can happen. You can end up like Southampton and having a real relegation battle. Um, We've had a history of managers really haven't we of late of, of the, the ter- high turnover of managers and what the problem we've had is that we get a new manager in and that manager's got to work with players that he didn't want to bring in because they're on long contracts yeah so i'm with you on that i think that we need to allow the contracts that are in place now which may be run on for a couple of years i mean with the exception of wilf uh, and aaron wambazaka i think the other contracts generally are have got a couple of years left uh, I think we have to think, do you know what, worst case scenario, Roy might go. Uh, but if he stays, we're still in a reasonable position. I think the only one I really, really am concerned about is Luka Milivojevic. I think he's only got one year left and he's the captain uh, of the team. And, you know, everything sort of uh, evolves around him. So he would be one one person that I would really need to sort of want yeah. to tie down. Yeah. Looking, looking, I was looking at the contracts this afternoon. While I was doing research. Yes, Chris Hambling, research. That's (laughs) what we do on this show. Um, Everybody's contract ends in 2021, except for Dan, Luca and Benteke, who end at the end of the next season, 2020. You've got um, average wing back, uh, Jairo and Kuate, till 2022. 
and Wilf. And I saw that IU was on this site I looked at was till 2023. So the ones we're looking at, they all end in 2021. So they've got one season and then another season where their contract ends at the end of it. So that's sort of halfway okay. through the season. Yeah. yeah. And you've got Wayne, Vincenti, Mamadou, uh, Tompkins, PVA, Ward, Kelly, Jimmy Max, Schlupp, Max and Andros. That's, that's pretty much, that's a good championship team, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the worry? Yeah. A little bit. Um, Kuarte is one of my favourite players now. Um, I think if we do lose Luca, then Kuarte could fit into the space he feels. Whether he's good at taking penalties, I don't know. Um, we've also seen some youth players beginning to appear on the bench. Woods, the centre-back, uh, Luke Dreyer, uh who was I still can't remember the the other the other player that could potentially have made his debut but was on the bench for the first time in the Bournemouth game. I'd like so, to see yeah. a lot more of that next season if we can get the opportunity just to to see a few more youngsters bed into the team but because it's it's, it's such it's a competitive risk. league. It is, it is very very it is, high risk. It's high risk, but we threw Aramban Bazaka in and look what happened. So we had no choice. We didn't, but you know I don't see. What's high risk? I mean, look, we go out and splash out a load of money on wages on a on a player like Ayu or Bakary Sacco. So um, what, what was that guy we got from Tottenham who was rubbish? Yeah, uh, yeah. Agbon Lahore was it? Oh no, um, not uh, Adebayor. Yeah, that, that's a perfect example. One goal was it? I think it was yeah. a scrambled goal on the goal line. Um, but basically, we are taking a big risk in loaning players, which are costing us a lot of money nine million on a scandinavian player that's never been seen in a football league full stop in england let alone the premier league yeah and he he obviously isn't good enough so he, he was doing all right out there oh, out again uh, he but got why? injured in his last game and i saw hmm. that the the manager was so incensed because poor poor old Sorloff <laughs> had to be carried off because there was no stretcher in the ground and it was abs- you could see he was in agony at being pulled around rather than just being lifted off gently mm. it was um amazing um that was a bizarre signing wasn't it Sorloff that's that's, an, that's strange yeah well <laughs> yes it it's a bizarre signing looking back on it now yeah. with the knowledge and the beauty of hindsight and the belief that he's not very good but if he had been really good we would be sitting here going, what an exceptional piece of recruitment. Premier League clubs don't look far enough afield and they've found a gem. Has the Sawloth signing scared you off, getting a bit clever with it, or do you still want to see them going to lesser-known leagues? Uh, to be honest with you, it did scare me off, but we, I, Roy Hodgson's got a fantastic record of signing foreign players, actually. You yeah, know? He's been all over Europe and speaks multi-languages and been in Italy and Switzerland. So... Actually, I think we could, we may end up seeing a couple of signings from overseas because he's obviously built up a lot of contacts through being in Italy and Switzerland and being England manager. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I think, I don't know, I don't want to put anyone up as I don't know 100% who was involved around the Sorloff signing. But clearly it wasn't a good one. No, I mean, And it I'm... wasn't Roy. I've I heard it was somebody that Roy trusted and they yeah. got it wrong, mm. but I don't think Roy had actually seen him play, which is always a danger. I mean, you, you Ian Holloway did a fantastic interview, um, 
and he was talking about how he was being offered players um, and having to look at YouTube videos of yeah, them. Yeah, watch a 10-minute clip and go, yes or no. Yeah, <laughs> and he he didn't really have a handle on, on what was going on. And was that the season we had eight signings over the summer? It seemed like somebody had shot a, a blunderbuss at a a ball of pictures of pay, of players and <laughs> we just signed whoever the the pellets landed on it was really a scattergun approach wasn't it yeah a funny funny thing about that was that uh the first i think it was the first away game i can't remember what it was it was it was in i was in uh, the local pub and holloway had just moved to beckenham yeah. and he'd rented a flat but it didn't have sky tv <laughs> so I, I was out on a Monday night in the pub down the road from where I live, and who walks in? Holloway. <laughs> what are you doing here? But he was in with his other half and uh, yeah. watching watching the football, and so quite quite amused actually. It wasn't a rowdy or lively pub. It was just, uh, yeah. But he 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 was going through uh, uh, quite a tough time then because we were just gone up, hadn't we? And uh, yeah, we were we were losing every week. Yeah. So if this summer on on the recruitment front, because I, I I share your feeling for Holloway that it must be so tough to have to identify your targets from such a small sample size of their ability. If you see Palace linked with players whose names you don't know, are you going to be worried or are you going to be excited? With 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 Roy, with Roy, yeah, um, I'm going to be excited. I'm I'm always excited when we when we sign a new player. And I think that if we were to sign a player from overseas and it was signed by Roy, I would be more excited than if he potentially re-signed Jordan Ayew because I know what Jordan Ayew has done this season. And, you know, he's I don't think he's done particularly well. So there's not an element of the devil you know? Uh, not in that case. Um, I think that... Um, Pay, pay, it's, it depends how much. I think we're going to be very clever now and not 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 spend too much money. I think that was that was a our downfall really is spending yeah. so much money on someone that we didn't hadn't been tested at our level. That's the problem. Um, is anybody, anybody that's half decent <laughs> is going to cost a fortune anyway. So you've 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 got to pick and choose. I've all, I always admired Southampton. Seems to be able to pick up. Um, sort of cheap foreign players who were very, very good. I mean, one uh, Tadic. I mean, look how well he's playing now for for Ajax. So, would you be wanting to go down that route and look at the Eredivisie in Holland and say, well, maybe there is talent there because you get the likes of Tadic, but you also get Vincent Janssens. Yeah, the problem is, is we we're tied by the homegrown thing as well, which is possibly why we might not let um, Wickham. Uh, Bissaka go, um, just just to keep um, keep our um, requisite amount of homegrown players in, and and yeah, good point with Wickham. Um, Keith Diamond got in touch with us. Um, he just wants to talk a bit more about Wickham. Um, is it is this a cheap option, or do the medics actually think he is ready and good to go, and it could be like a brand new signing? I think it's a bit of both. That's a good point. Uh, I think on the, me- the the medic side of things, I think they've now seen him in training for a good few months, uh, a couple of months at least. Uh, I don't know exactly, but uh, since the turn of the year, um, he's probably been on the training field more often than not. 
Uh, he's now been appearing on the bench. So it's clear that he's now back up to full fitness. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on the bench. Uh, and they're thinking ahead. Um, and yes, uh, on, on the face of things, he's probably on the market isn't going to be that valuable. So the club are saying, well, we're not really going to get much for him. Uh, he's only got one year left on his contract. So what have we got to lose? He's only 26 still. Uh, so time is on his side and our side. Uh, if he does make it into the team next season and he chips in with a few goals, uh, he's going to be valuable again. Um, and any premiership striker that chips in with a minimum of 10 goals a season is worth 20 million upwards as far as I, I'm concerned. Yeah, I reckon so. But this isn't going to just be a question of the physios, is it? Because it's not as straightforward that if Wickham is fit, he's going to score any goals. Has he done anything in a Palace shirt that makes you think that he is going to score plenty? Yeah. West, West Brom away about three, three, four seasons ago, he scored a brace. We were 3-0 down at half time, but he came on and he almost turned the game for us. And the technique... And of of the goals he scored was phenomenal. It, uh, it's the first time in ages and ages and ages I've sat in the very front row and actually seen players close up and, and what they're doing. Um, it just looked effortless. Um, like I said before, on his day, he's a very, very good player. You know, what we... 2019, so 2015, 35 games with Palace, seven goals. Year before that, 2014, Sheffield Wednesday on loan, 11 games, eight goals. So he's been, the last couple of years, obviously blighted by injury, but he's matured a bit and he did start scoring goals before he, he got uh, struck down by that injury. So, yeah, I think there's something something there that we, we can see um, or the club can see and, and they think at 26 he's, it's, it's worth persevering with. Yeah. yeah, he could offer something. And of course, that homegrown element is significant. Wickham will stay. Will he score any goals? Get in touch. 0208 70 20 558 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio. And we've got some breaking news into the studio, which is that Petr Cech is set to return to Chelsea this summer in a new sporting director role at the club. Lovely, of course, to see a club legend return to the side where he rose to prominence. But there's another angle to this because Petr Cech currently plays for Arsenal. Not only that, but Arsenal are in a Europa League final against Chelsea. And not only that, he is their Europa League goalkeeper. So nominally, he should play in that game. He was Chelsea before Arsenal. We're hearing that he's going to be Chelsea after Arsenal. Should he play in the final? I don't know. I read. That's <laughs> quite amusing. I read a story. I can't remember what league it is, but there's a playoff match. Um, the first leg was one all. One of the, the manager of the team that are in the top division... Or the manager of the team that's in the in it's one in of the Holland, divisions I in, think. in Holland, if he wins, then he condemns the new club that he's going to to the division below. Yeah. If so it's loses, the current manager of the Graf Shop in Holland. So he's in a relegation playoff against Cambour, who are his next employers. It's completely bizarre. So his team. De Grashup finished 17th in the Eredivisie. That puts them in a relegation semi-final playoff against Cambour. And yeah, he's going there. 
So what he, do you do? What do you do? Well, I mean... And it's similar to the Czech thing you just it mentioned. It is. And I think, to be fair, I, I don't know a great deal about Henk de Jong, who is the de Graaf manager, and I don't know Petr Cech as a person. But I think we have to assume, in the cases of all of these people, that they're professional. And it's a very difficult decision, particularly for de Jong. But you have to manage your team to the best of your ability. And his players aren't going to stand for it, are they? If he suddenly goes, right, lads, we're playing two at the back, seven up top, and we're playing four 16-year-olds, someone's going to smell a rat. He'd never do that. No, I mean, the first leg went without incident. It was one all. So so who knows? I don't know any players that would go out onto the pitch and not want to do their best and win. Do you? Do you you ever... I, no, I, th- I mean, it's been a long time since you played, but when you played, did you ever go in and think, I really don't want to win this game? Exactly. I mean, it, you just go back to Palace's game against Cardiff. We all, you know, of all the, most of the fans, apart from me, wanted us to roll over and let Cardiff win. But they're professionals. They go out, they do a job. And I said that Cardiff would beat Man United. And I yeah. told our listener, <laughs> I said, you need to beat Palace because you're going to win at Man United. And I was spot on with that one. Um, you, and you're, they, do, you're talking about that, the... <laughs> we we spoke about it in the studio in the, uh, at least three weeks leading up to the game because we knew it would be a crucial one. But the moment we kicked off, that all went out the window. I just wanted Palace to win. The moment yeah. the, the referee's whistle, suddenly it's like, oh, Palace played. They've got to win at all costs. Yeah, they, you're going to want winners' medals, and and yeah, they're all professionals at the end of the day. So um, I can't I can't see any. You know, it's. I like to think that our our game is still not as corrupt as some parts of Europe. <laughs> yeah. So, what 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 are you making of Czech? I mean, do you when's he actually taking over, going there as director at the start He's of next season? He's going at the start of next season. I think there is an interesting conversation beyond even what Arsenal fans make of Petr Cech as a goalkeeper about sentimentality in football. And we saw this. It comes to the fore, particularly with goalkeepers. We saw it in the FA Cup final with Watford. What do you do? You've got your cup goalkeeper, in inverted commas, which is, reading between the lines, also your second best goalkeeper. When you get to a cup final, do you go, thank you for getting us here, mate, crack on? Or do you, particularly in the case of the Europa League final, where Arsenal actually, the silverware is the secondary concern here, right? If they win that game, they get Champions League football. That's what they're playing for. Chelsea have already got it. They're fine. But for Arsenal, this is a bigger game. And yeah, Czech's retiring. And yeah, Czech's been quite good in the Europa League. But if you're an Arsenal fan and you genuinely believe that Bernd Leno is the better goalkeeper, giving you the better chance of getting Champions League football for next season and all of the riches and transfer clout that comes with that, I'm a big fan of Petr Cech, but I'm sorry, Petr, you can sit this one out. Yeah, absolutely. It's not Sunday league football here. It's not amateur football. This is professional. It's it's a lot of money at stake, a lot of pride at stake. And as you quite rightly say, Champions League football is is probably more important than the trophy itself. So I'm absolutely sure that that both teams will put out their strongest 11 for that that match. On the subject of Petr Cech, I've been uh, playing a well-known football video game, uh, a thing called Master League, where you, you take your own team up and then you get players coming through the youth ranks. Petr Cech came through my youth ranks. As a 16-year-old, he's got his hat on. And I'm thinking, no, why have you got your hat on? You're yeah, you haven't 16. met you Stephen haven't, Hunt yet. Yeah, you haven't played Reading yet. <laughs> why have you got that on now? I don't know why. It's just a little thing that's upset me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's an interesting point. It's weird for him. You'd have thought that the scrum cap has actually made him, whilst no one would wish for a terribly traumatic head injury, must have done wonders for his 
brand recognition because I see a skull cap, a scrum cap, I should say, and you think of, you should think of rugby players. I think of Petr Cech. But there's been broader news in the footballing world this week as well. We've got a new Scotland boss in the form of Steve Clark. And Nick, you think that his appointment could change the international fortunes of some Palace players? Yeah, well, I actually watched the Scottish game for the first time ever from start to finish because everybody was out. It was on one of the um, one of the satellite channels. I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of this. I had no idea that Kilmarnock needed to win to get into Europe. There was some lovely football played. Um, and a great atmosphere there. And I thought, oh, this Steve Clark's done a good job because it's the first time Kilmarnock have finished that high in the league since, I think they said 1966 or something like that. And then you, you get your boss taken to your best position ever and then clears off to become the Scotland manager. But interestingly, it was either today or yesterday. I don't know what his exact words were, but he did mention James McArthur by name that, these players need to help Scotland. I think the word he used was unretire. <laughs> Paul Scholes style. Yeah, well, I was surprised when he got left out of the squad, to be honest, because James MacArthur had, well, is still playing very well, and he ha- was last season. Didn't he season retire, before. though? Didn't he say uh, that I, I don't want to do it anymore? Well, no, he he was left out of the squad a couple yeah. of games before. Uh, and I think, to be honest with you, kind of just had enough. Um, but yeah, though, uh, when they... When I realised or I looked at who was playing instead, I thought, no, that can't be right. Well, Uh, MacArthur did actually retire from Scotland duty in October 2018, which I hadn't actually realised. So what we're dealing with now is Steve Clark saying, come out of retirement. He's not a spring chicken. He's 31, 32. Is there not an angle of you as Palace fans where, of course, you want to see your players represent their nations, but... His domestic career is going to go on for longer at the higher level if he gets a breather every international break. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember reading somewhere with about eight or nine weeks of the season to go. I, I might have mentioned it on here, actually, that MacArthur's played more than he should have done this season. He's played uh, the amount of minutes for his fitness, and I don't know where they got that from. It's probably the same people who came up with the XG statistic, um, which is stuff and nonsense. Um, I don't know, because you, you want your players to do well. Like John Salarco was saying about, well, if you want him to go on and have a brilliant career. You know, we we were upset when Wright left, weren't we, and went mm. to Arsenal and his career went on. Um, But I don't know. You, you've got to have a feel for it, haven't you? you you've got to want to do it. And if, if Jimmy Mack doesn't want to do it and wants to concentrate on Palace, well, that that's up to him. Um. It, I'm surprised that he's... Because normally the, the new manager's don't really target the older players to come back into the team. They're normally looking to fresh young players. So at 31, it's a little bit strange for me that he's looking to bring him back in the team. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not so sure that uh, James will want to go back and play for Scotland. It's, it's, not, it's not like Brazil, is it? They've been quite poor lately, though, it has to be said. Scotland. They lost to Kazakhstan. I mean, yeah. you really want to go all the way to... Kazakhstan or those sort of countries. Or Baku. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and then lose. So, I, I you know, I, I'm not so sure he'd want to do that. Um, and, and I think that will be to our advantage because it means that we will be able to play him regularly as we have done this season and get the best out of him. And he can have his rest during the week if he needs it. Whereas if he's off playing in tiddly squat, you know, qualifiers. 
that they're not even getting through. Well, what it's country is that in? Tiddly squat. Uh, um, I just made it up. All right, okay. <laughs> I think I think it's an encouraging one though for MacArthur. I think he deserves a call up because he has not only done good work generally in midfield, he's actually scored goals this season, which wasn't something I thought of him as doing. But he always has done. He's always got Pass seven or eight. Yeah. Pa- always got seven or eight. Yeah. Has he always got seven I'm or eight? I'm sure he's got that. All many. right. Well, he tell was, you what. He was criticised, I think, three seasons ago for not scoring enough. But most of the midfield were as well. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, this season and maybe just gone, the season just gone and the one before, I think he's chipped in with a few. But I think the one before that, he bore the brunt with a few others for not, not chipping a bit barren, wasn't goals. It? Yeah. Well, his goals this season have given Palace some great moments. And coming up, I'll be asking James and Nick for their best moments and their worst moments of the season just gone. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and of course, Chris Howard and uh, James Howard, I should say. Where's Chris Howard come from, James? There must be a famous Chris Howard. James Howard and Nick Gillard of the Back of the Nest pod. And gents, it's time for me to ask you for your, we'll start positively, your three finest moments of the season. Do you want to start or shall I? Uh, I, I can go if you want. Go on in. Yeah. So positive ones for me uh, was, I've got, I've written down here, Fulham away. It was the first game of the season. Uh, lovely. I love going to Fulham and it's so sad because they're actually redeveloping that stand in front of the river. It is going to look amazing, though. Have you seen the design? No, no, it's incredible. It sort of hangs out over the Thames. Oh, well, that's good because I want them to keep that. No, it's beautiful, yeah. glass and wood illuminated. It looks like the Sydney Opera House. It's quite something. Uh, okay, well, that's nice to know. But I do like the neutral end. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, it's just so unique. So I was really looking forward to that. And you're always looking forward to the first game of the season. Um, and it was away, at, it was at Fulham, and we won, which was brilliant. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So that was one of my my first uh, moments of the season I liked. Next one, should I get to next? Do I'll do, do, next I'll one? do yeah. one. Um, it's got to be defeating Manchester City at the Etihad. Where you with had, a certain goal. With a brilliant goal from Townsend. And the fact that earlier on... Leading up to that game, now, remember the Man City documentary that was on one one of the streaming sites where Pep Guardiola did a speech about Palace is going to be one of the most difficult games of the season. They're always difficult to play against. But the fact that we went up there and, and beat them was, was just incredible because as a, as a fan of a Leicester team, you see these games as a free hit, don't you? So to actually come away and... You know, yeah. I'll let no, you go on because another I, one is. No, yeah. I agree with that. Um, I saw that on TV, and I'm trying to pick. I'm, I've sort of picked things where I've actually been to the game because I, I sort of really enjoy it when when I'm actually there, and rather than watching it on TV. So, yeah, the obvious one was the Townsend goal, but uh, I really enjoyed um, Tottenham uh, at home in the cup uh, for two reasons. Uh, the first one is because we won. <laughs> Always nice. And Connor Wickham scored. Ooh. And he came on. I think he start. Actually, did he start that game? I think he started. And I turned around to my brother and I said, you know, I feel like Connor Wickham's going to score. And he did within the next five minutes. But the other th- reason I really enjoyed it is he did be- start. because it was my um, my birthday. Um, my brother uh, paid for me to do the ho- corporate hospitality that day. 
so we were in the in in uh, the Julian Speroni lounge and having a yeah. nice meal and absolutely uh, got tanked up on that day. <laughs> I'm Orange surprised. Juice, I'm I surprised I could remember the remember the game actually. But I was I was there for the Burnley game actually, and what I enjoyed about being not only in padded seats with room and armrests, and you could almost do the Kenny yeah. Kenny Everett. In the best possible taste, leg kick, you had so much space there. You know what the one I mean? Yeah, I, mean, I, I do. You, this is going over your head, Johnny, sorry. Um, but actually being behind the managers is quite interesting because you don't, where I normally sit, you don't take much notice of what the managers are doing. But just seeing the difference between Sean Dyche waving his arms about like he was in Ian Curtis tribute act and Roy Hodgson just being really measured and... Would you like to see more of the Ian Curtis from Roy? I mean, he's never going to be that kind of man, but would you like more passion? Um, I think it'd give him an aneurysm at his age, to be honest. Um, I don't know. He's, he does seem... You can see him get ang- Mr. Angry on his face, can't you? But yeah. It, it, it's a... He sort of keeps it to himself, but you can see that he's just about to explode. But uh, he seems to just keep keep calm at the last minute. I think, yeah, I bet he's got a sharp. Well, yeah, remember that um, they had to re-record an interview with him uh, for match of the day. I think where he just told them where to go and start asking some reasonable questions and not stupid ones. Um, otherwise, I'm off, mate. Um, but yeah, you're yeah. right. It's a great position to be in, uh, just behind the dugout. And uh, I was also with we were with some Tottenham uh, guys uh, who shared the table with us. So we um, and it was great meeting Jim Cannon and and Neil Shipley was there doing a bit of hosting. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. A, a, a lot of people didn't really think we were going to beat Tottenham, but but we did. So uh, that was that was a good that was one of my highlights of the season. Yeah, Nick, one, one more from you. One more highlight. Um, staying up so early despite all the doom and gloom. Um, Arguably the biggest one of all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's just really hard to be positive about getting our best position when we have been so pants at home. But the fact is we were 15 points clear, was it, of the, the drop zone by the end of the season. So actually that that's not a good season. So just... That that's a good season. So despite all the doom and gloom, we actually came out of it very, very well. I thought. Yeah, it was comfortable in the end, wasn't it? And uh, it was it was nice to see uh, uh, that we. I, I can't remember where it was that we secured it, but I think we'd pretty much secured it the, the week before anyway because of goal yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got uh, a final one. Was uh, very recently was the uh, Zaha stroke Townsend goal versus Bournemouth. Where yeah. Wilf Zaha was uh, is losing his temper and was on the verge of getting sent off, was <laughs> being wound up by the opposition as he always is, and completely un- unfairly, as he would say. But uh, what he did was he channeled his frustration and aggression uh, into his individual display and, and grabbed hold of the ball. And uh, as I said last week, he hit the boost button. Yeah, <laughs> on his computer, on the computer game, and he just absolutely powered his throw. He passed one ex Crystal Palace player, Nathaniel Klein, and another player, yeah. and barged him off the ball, whipped in a fantastic cross for Townsend to score, and uh, that was uh, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. What annoyed me, and it's still on the subject of Wilf, and it, it isn't one of my worst moments of the season, but when he got um, sarcastically applauded, the ref. Who was the ref that day? Was it Mike Dean? 
I can't remember, can't but remember. I remember. Could, if it was Mike Dean, you could be forgiven for sarcastically applauding him. But where do you think Wilf is in terms of his development, not as a footballer, but as a man? We were talking to John Salako a while ago, and he was saying, listen, he's a very fragile person. It seems like he's growing up, your example, James, of responding to that abuse against Bournemouth with passion, but the right kind of channel passion is encouraging. But then, as Nick says, we get silly little things like that. Is he behaving like a grown-up on a consistent basis? Well, how old is he? He's 26 now, isn't he? Do you remember uh, it was championship days and uh, he used to be so petulant. He used to jump up and down like a toddler, didn't he, when things (laughs) weren't going his way. It was hilarious to watch him. And as as John Salago said, he's had a child. Wilf, that is, not John. (laughs) Wilf's other half, not not, not Wilf, yeah. so I'm, I'm just wondering how that mu- how much that affects a footballer because they, you do grow up a bit when you become a parent or you're supposed to. Um, you've got all this to look forward to, Johnny. I'm going nowhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want an heir? <laughs> Nothing to inherit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think that has changed him a little bit and I think he learnt from the sarcastic clapping thing because although I think it was very, very... Um, harsh he, he got a red card for that didn't he yeah uh, it was very very harsh and it was You've annoying because you, you're, you're effectively saying you're an idiot to the referee yeah but so many other players do and it just seemed like he was but they don't do it that blatantly Nick you know what I mean there are ways yeah. you can show petulance and mutter and a ref might let it slide but as soon as you are directly addressing a referee and questioning his quality or his judgment you've got to go and his birth, probably. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> Listen, we've been dwelling on the good things of Palace's season, which is always a delight. But James and Nick, no, I never let them get off that easily. So coming up, it's time for the three worst moments. This is Love Sport of the season. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and James Howard and Nick Gillard of Back of the Nest. And we've been reveling in the good moments, nay, the best moments of Palace's season. But what were the worst ones? Home form. <laughs> just <laughs> overall. Well, no, I was just looking through the results. With the, the, the results against Southampton and Newcastle earlier on in the season weren't good enough. We didn't seem to have a plan B, did we, James? Well, Roy didn't seem no. to have a plan B. I don't, can't remember if that was when we were having a bit of a striker problem as well, but... Yeah, I think we had uh, Townsend and Wolf up front on their own at one point. But I think for me, yeah, the home home uh, um, performance has been been particularly poor. And and one of my disappointing factors was the Man City at home. Even though Man City, you know, are an exceptionally good team, we did beat them away. And I felt we were so negative at home. And you know, that was that was I think the first game actually where we were safe. Uh, pretty much safe so I think most of the fans were expecting us to really try and have a go do you not have to be more negative against no we don't because two seasons before that um, I think it was either the season before that or or the one before that was we nearly beat them 1-0 and it was only a Luka Milivojevic missed penalty yeah made it nil nil in the last minute so and and we've always been the team what annoyed me was that we've always been the team that have had a bit of an influence in who wins the league at the end of the season yeah 
Yeah, quite right. You yeah, know, and three, we've three nil, relegated teams. Liverpool well. three nil up. Yep, and then Istanbul three all exactly. So, so I thought you know it was our turn to really sort of have a go, and it was very very disappointing. And uh, although uh, I did expect us to lose, it was the manner of, in which we lost that I, I didn't wasn't particularly pleased about. So I was very frustrated. And then, but you, and then you've got games where we lost four three at Liverpool, where actually we did make a good fist of it and it was a very very good game to watch and you know we, it, it could have gone either way yeah absolutely and, and and if it wasn't for Julian Speroni's blunder yeah we should really have gone away with something and scoring yeah. three goals against that Liverpool defence is a real achievement as well well who have we scored three goals against we scored three goals against City away three goals against um Liverpool Arsenal. away we've scored three against Arsenal we haven't been tonked all season you know, we didn't have, we haven't had any four or five nils this season, but yeah. but just coming to bring another downer on it, our performances against Brighton were <laughs> abysmal. And what was most disappointing about the home game back in December, I think it was the home game back in December, was no, sorry the away game where we got beat three one. We <laughs> give Chris Hewitt and his due. I know he's gone now. Um, and they've got that Potter fella from Swansea. I mean, I don't know what's going on there, but that's that's up to them. Um, maybe he's cheap. Um, was just the manner in which we we just rolled over and and died. And it was similar when we played Chelsea at home, and it was like a training game for Chelsea. We just didn't offer anything, did we? No, on I, that one nil. It's 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 quite um, disappointing that we can't. Seen, or whether it's the, the manager is at fault here but there's a lot of obviously rivalry between the two clubs and we don't seem to be you know putting that rivalry on the pitch and raising our game because it's a, a, a derby and that's that's disappointing so and I've seen that in quite a few games against Brighton recently um, you know we can raise our game against the likes of Man City away Arsenal away, Chelsea away, uh, we won, and uh, was it, sorry, West Ham away, um, and Liverpool, we put up a great performance, and you think, you know, these are top teams, and we're winning at these team, at these clubs, and, and we're scoring two or three goals, and and yet, we seem to sort of, you know, have a very mediocre game at home against a below average mid-table team. And then you think, well, okay, that can happen every now and then. But then it happens to Brighton. You think, well, hold on. We can seem to raise our our game against the top teams, but we don't seem to do it against the, the, the lower half teams and also against who are supposedly our biggest rivals. So, yeah, I'm disappointed with that. I agree with you, yeah. Um, so moving on, I've got one here which uh, which was disappointing because I think we were again uh, a couple of rounds away from getting to the final. Was I went to this game because I was sort of up north in the country. I was it was Middlesbrough away in the cup, um, and uh, League, we, cup. League Cup, and we lost. And if we'd have won that one, we would have played Burton. We'd have been a different ball number though, so we wouldn't. I don't know, would we? But yeah, but, been, yeah. The, the, they, the Middlesbrough got Burton in the next round, and yeah. by some strange logic, people think that we'd have got them as well. But but we would we'd have been we'd have been a different ball number. Oh, you have to explain that after the show. 
Yeah. But even by that logic, if you did get Burton and you went through with the same tie that Burton had, you would then have got Manchester City. And of course, Manchester City smacked 10 past Burton across two legs. So it might be a case of be careful what you wish for. No, back to you. We won at City. You did. League. But you won by three and not by seven. Don't care. We were winning <laughs> the cup. Very true. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, have I still got to come up with something bad? One more horror show. One more horror show. Oh, let me think. There was just I've said the home form in general. Um, and again, we got the other bright result. The not not quite beating Watford was quite annoying. Although my wallet was very glad we <laughs> didn't go to Wembley again. Um. Yeah, just just the lack of a plan B from Roy throughout the season. It, it, we we just didn't seem to know what to do, or make subs at the right time, or even make subs. It's that that whole seventieth minute sub when you think if you need to change a game, you need to try and change it earlier if it's going against you. I don't know what you feel about that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I'd forgotten about that, but that was really disappointing. I was very frustrated for quite a few weeks because Roy wasn't bringing subs on. But towards the end of the season, he did, uh, and he was making his substitutions earlier. And sometimes, you know, I think the first one I was amazed at was when he took off Max Meyer at half time uh, in that home game. So I think maybe at that point, which was the middle of the season or second half of the season, maybe who he had on the bench, they weren't particularly fully fit. So we don't know the background. We don't know everything about it. And perhaps he was protecting a few players that that, that maybe had a few niggles or injuries. So he couldn't really use the subs. We We saw that with with Townsend being used less and less Mm. towards the end of the season, didn't we? Johnny, what was your favourite Palace moment of the season, other than meeting us for the first time? Well, that was obviously my highlight, and it's something I I thank the stars above for every (laughs) evening before I go to bed. But once I've moved on beyond that sheer delight, I... Ooh, it's a tough one. I think that my favourite Palace moment... I don't want to say the goal of the season because it seems so twee and obvious. I'll tell you my favourite Palace moment. It was the Batshuayi goal against Watford in the FA Cup where I know the day didn't go the way we want, but I love seeing that from a striker. He wasn't getting the service he needed. He decided, you know what, I'll do it on my own. Nicked the ball off the defender, scored on his own. And not from a, it was a great day out for Palace point of view, but just from a that's the kind of thing I like to see on a football pitch. Michi gets it for me. I like that. One thing you hate, Nick, and you get into almost any conversation, is VAR coming yes. up. You finally got licence. You can give it a kicking. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, where we are discussing VAR. Now, when it gets criticised, we normally hear that it's because it detracts from the excitement of the game. That's not a criticism I actually agree with, but it is one that gets wheeled out. But for certain Palace fans, we're hearing that actually the difficulties are more fundamental. Nick, what's going on? Yep, good old Elgin Eagle from the Palace Comrades dot com forum. He has complained. He's asked me to mention tonight specifically that the last train he can get back to Scotland, and it's a long way to come for a for a home game, um, is half past six from Euston or King's Cross or wherever it is. Um, and they struggle, him and his mates struggle sometimes to get back to Euston in time. Now his worry is that with all the nonsense of VAR and 
check in, double check in, and possible delays. It's not going to happen in every game, but it's definitely going to happen on the trains. Yeah, it's it's it just puts everybody's Saturday afternoon out of kilter because you you know guarantee you'd almost be guaranteed unless there was floodlight failure or a really bad injury that you'd be out the ground by five and you you'd have plenty of time to go and do. The other things you need to do on a Saturday when you're not single with disposable income and you can just do what you like. Um, so are the TV companies going to get fed up with the delays? No, because they're definitely not, because yeah. we're already hearing talks about potential VAR ad breaks. There's one thing that the TV companies won't mind. It's an excuse to wheel out more ads, and that is what they'll do in these windows. Or if you're a certain independent company you put on adverts just as Tottenham are about to score do you remember that a couple of years ago <laughs> um my my bugbear is it, it's and I've gone on about it all season and perhaps I've overplayed it a bit to be devil's advocate but you're moving from a referee on the pitch making a dodgy decision through no fault of his own or or not to an arbitrary person in a room somewhere that people people that nobody else is in contact with who could still make the same error depending on what camera angle they're looking at because you we've seen it on with 500 cameras around the ground all right i'm exaggerating from uh, if there's 10 cameras and you look at an incident it might only be one camera that the incident looks like it's the player or, or whatever yeah. has broken the rules. That's true. But if they've got more camera angles, Nick, they've got more opportunity to get it right. And you'd have thought overall, would you not agree that VAR will probably make refereeing more accurate? Depends who the people are in the little room, I think. Well, they're not going to be random people off the street, you would hope. I'd imagine it would be fairer if you got random people off the street. <laughs> Oh, but really the referee, do. the referee, if it's a borderline decision, the referee has the final decision, doesn't he? He can go down and look at the camera on the pitch side. Yeah. yeah. So, so they will say, do you know what, uh, referee? It's it's we're fifty fifty on this split decision in in the office, and uh, have a go and have a look yourself, and you decide. So, um, I, I think it will come back to him. I mean, if it's usually if it's offside, it's blatant. You can tell if it's offside yeah. or not. Um, but but some of those possible sort of ball to hand incidents that are so close, you think, well, actually, he couldn't get out the way of it. Uh, but that, that's the difficulty because you see the you see perhaps what the the VAR men, the VAR men are doing, uh, are seeing on your TV replays. You don't see it on the jumbotron at football. I've used that word deliberately because I know you like it, jumbotron. Um, and you've got to take away the fact that it's what happens at full speed. At, at normal speed who was that that game where the, uh they did show it on the 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 jumbotron as you call it the football <laughs> match and the the manager was raging yeah i can't remember was I'm that trying to think who it, it wasn't was. a palace game was it no it wasn't a palace game and it wasn't a manager that you'd usually expect to go ranting but he absolutely lost it and uh, the uh, the other thing we're going to get with it <laughs> is how many and y- this is great for radio because you're not going to see it, but how many of them are going to make players are you going to see running up to the ref, making that vision on square kind of sign to say, go on, let's go to VAR, let's go to VAR. I mean, should it be limited that if a, a team can say, actually, we want to contest that like they do in cricket and maybe have two or three... Appeals. Appeals, that's the word yeah, I'm looking for. And, and the same in tennis as well. Yeah. I mean, I trust... Line, line court appeals. Yeah. Do you watch tennis? Yeah, I, I trust Hawkeye. 
No. Yeah. I don't know if I trust humans. And <laughs> you've not you've still... not had very long to experience VAR. And the most high-profile example it's been used in so far was in that Champions League semi-final second leg, Spurs against City, where it correctly ruled out a goal which would have wrongly knocked Spurs out of a Champions League when they shouldn't have been out. Surely, and if we take the Elgin fans example, that's gutting. That is really, really annoying if Scottish fans are going to have to leave a ground a bit early. And for those specific people... I have every sympathy. But if this new technology makes refereeing more precise, it means that we don't get injustices or we get fewer refereeing injustices, then surely that is a price worth paying. Why even have a ref on the pitch? Why not just have a button in the VAR room where they press a buzzer and the players have to stop and somebody announces over the loudspeakers what's happening next? I don't know. Maybe the ref should be mic'd up. Who knows with this VAR thing. So so it can be explained a bit more. It's, it's just the whole, it needs honing so much. The whole sitting around, not having a clue what's going on when you're either a player or in the crowd. You, you're kind of left in the dark a little bit oh. other than something's gone on. And we, we said it earlier in the season about you'll cheer a goal, but then you'll think, oh, hang on, should we be cheering that? What, what happens if... But doesn't that add to the drama? Yeah, I think we've had some teething problems in in England because we've just had some because we're so good at everything else. We've we've, <laughs> we've had we've we've had a few games uh, where it's been experimented. But you know, I I look back at the recent the World Cup and I think that was a really uh, big success actually. The VAR. Talking of World Cup, very very quickly, there's been a debacle with tickets for the Women's World Cup. Farcical. Farcical. People have ordered two or three tickets online and the women's FIFA, I can't remember who it is, if it's the same FIFA or... They they say that when people ordered, they were told that they weren't guaranteed they were going to be sitting together. So they've actually done something that's probably more difficult to do than actually allowing people to sit next to each yeah, other. It's baffling. And if you bought three tickets and one of them is for your 12-year-old daughter, the idea that you will all suddenly be in random parts of the stadium is not particularly helpful and also possibly not particularly safe. The footballing governing bodies have done it again. But it's been a positive show. It's been a positive window. We had a positive chat with John Salako, who said that Aaron Wambisaka needs to stick around and will still be positive next week on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.